Hey everybody, welcome to Your Wealth Plan Podcast, where we discuss sane wealth building strategies for an insane world. Disclaimer, this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended for financial advice. We recommend consulting a certified financial advisor when building your own wealth plan. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I apologize, it's been two weeks since we got a podcast out. That's my fault. I've had surgery. Anybody on the live stream from Facebook, the Your Wealth Plan podcast live stream, or Sabrius TV on YouTube, uh, if you could see me hobbled around on the cane, you understand that uh, I've had knee surgery, and that's that's why I've not uploaded for a while. We had a bunch of pre-recorded videos that we put up on the on the YouTube channel, and uh, I could just kind of work with them as I could. While I was dealing with the pain and trying to get back on my feet, um, got some good news today. Some strange news, I guess, for out, out of the wild blue. It's just something that fell on my feet, and I had to go for it. Uh, talk a lot about opportunity and opportunity cost. Lost opportunities you can't get back. This week, an opportunity fell on my lap to start a Roku TV channel, and uh, I opted to go for it win, lose, or draw, I opted to go for it. And the name of that channel will be Sabrius TV. That's why I've named, renamed the YouTube channel from Life Happens to Sabrius TV. That way it's all linked together and goes together just fine. Um, <clears throat> the reason for that is content is being suppressed. And if you're not in certain cliques, certain secret societies, which I am a Freemason, by the way. If anybody's out there listening, help a brother out. But anyway, <clears throat> content is being suppressed. There seems to be a an, an enamorous, enamorous push to control the narrative of what anybody says. And... I may not agree with everything everybody says. Everybody might not agree with what I say. But freedom of expression, freedom of speech is of utmost importance. Because that is the core of who you are, the core of your being. Now, like I said, I may not agree with everything someone else thinks or says. But by golly, they got a right to say it. And just like I have a right to say it. And once you start trying to control what people say, what people think, you're headed for a dystopian, totalitarian government or rule, worldwide rule of law or whatever. You, you, you seem to, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, it's, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good for everybody to think exactly alike. Because if you think exactly alike, no one is ever thinking outside the box. And you never go anywhere. That's why communism fails on every continent that's ever, and every time it's ever been tried, communism fails because it eliminates the people's opportunity to think out of the box and to strive to create new ideas. That's why the Japanese, when they took Edward Demings, the father of quality management, when they took his principles and they applied them to their factories and their way of life over there, they come up with the word Kaizen. And what Kaizen means is, you know, continual improvement. Always look to do, be able to do your job better. Always look to improve. Because we all, 
have uh, we all can improve I can improve I'm trying to improve every day um, we all need to improve every way we can and when you control the narrative and when you control what people think and how people think and what people say you cannot you cannot look for innovation and that is so desperately needed when businesses and uh, you know and, and, and people's jobs uh, it's also needed in the media it's also that's look at uh, look at Hollywood has Hollywood put out a new idea in forever no they just keep regurgitating the same old crap over and over and over there's no new ideas it's it's all the same you know? I mean how many how many movies can we have on witches how many movies can we have on alien invasion how many movies can we have on some kind of virus gets out and it's gonna get you you know I mean how many uh, invisible boogeyman movies can they make Looks like a Hallmark. Hallmark. Great channel. Except for some of the things going on there in the last recently. And you all know that I'm a Christian, and so you know how I feel about certain things. Uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Okay? Point blank. Love the sinner, hate the sin. But Hallmark for base basically is a cookie cutter channel. Every episode is exactly the same. Woman's in a relationship with a dude. She's not truly happy with him, but she's been with him a long time. She can't stand, she can't stand thoughts of living, leaving him. Something drastic happens. Job, family, whatever. She has to go to a different town. She hooks up with her ex-boyfriend or some new guy who just totally sweeps her off her feet. She breaks up with said boyfriend for the new guy. They have issues. They can't work it out. And they kind of go their separate ways and they get back together at the end. It's exact same scenario, whether it's Christmas, pumpkin time, <laughs> whatever, man. It's the same thing. And that's the way Hollywood is. And when we start controlling the narrative on everything anybody thinks or anything anybody says, it's got to be this way, this way, this way. You're not going to have that innovation. You're not going to have anything new. And that's why communism fails. And because no one can strive to do something better. No, this is your job. You do it this way, this way, this way. Well, what if I could save us 10 steps by doing it a different way? What if I could improve productivity and, and or morale or, or output by doing it a different way? No, must do it this way, you know? And if you control what people, it's just a bad deal, you know? I know I'm probably preaching to the choir because anybody that would listen to this channel would listen to the same things that you know that I believe and probably believe similar to the way I believe. And that's okay. We all need to believe what we believe. And we all need to be able to be who we are. And if you can't do that, what's life worth living? You know? If you can't be who you are, what does it matter? Today on this episode, this is episode 9, our first live stream on Facebook and on YouTube, very first one. So, let's get down to it. The last little bit, we've been discussing multiple streams of income on the YouTube channel. And I know this is going to be kind of repetitive for those guys over there, but there's a lot of things that we need to talk about today, <clears throat> if we can get into them, and if we don't get shut down. But there's a huge importance for multiple streams of income. 
a lot of people don't really realize it. And I've been discussing a lot about my great-grandfather, how he went out and he got a job, and he took that job, and he created streams of income with that job in the agricultural or forestry-type positions. And what he did was he took his money that he earned on his job, and he reapplied it in different areas to create more streams of income. And he virtually repeated the process the rest of his life. You know, he let's just go into a real quick example. He, you know, he started at the sawmill. He was able to earn enough more money than what he needed to live off of at the sawmill. So he was able to take that money that he saved from the sawmill job and was able to invest in cattle, was able to invest in a farm, was able to invest in just different things. And then when money would come in from one thing, he would take that money and roll it into something else, another asset to make money. And Grandpa did not run out and buy new furniture for the house because he got a raise at work or that he sold his cows or pigs or vegetables or or granny sold a bunch of eggs or chickens or you know they sold their wool from their sheep or they sold some baby lambs or he sold some furs from hunting and trapping all night uh, he didn't run out and buy the latest you know pocket watch you know because you know because it's something cool and neat he wanted Matter of fact, there was a story told, and my grandpa had bought like a thousand acre farm at this time. He was living in one of the biggest houses in the area, and they said that all he had was a bed and a kitchen table and a, and a wood cook stove and a wood stove to heat the house with, and a doctor was moving out of the area and selling all of his furniture, and my grandma thought it would be nice, my great-grandma, by the way, thought it'd be nice if he had some furniture inside the house. I reckon Grandpa told her no, my great-grandpa. I reckon he told her no. But they had the extra money. They could afford to do it. So she went and done it anyway. They said when my grandpa come in and out of the field from working corn or whatever he was planting or harvesting or plowing or whether he was logging or, or whatever he was doing, because he'd done it all. He'd done it all. He worked his butt off. And my grandpa, as a young man beside him, did too. Uh, they all worked, even Granny worked. But anyway, Granny had bought uh, that furniture, and she had snuck it into the house when that doc, you know, because that doctor was moving out of town, uh, or moving out of the area anyway. She bought his furniture from his house. <clears throat> had it moved in, my grandpa come home. He goes absolutely ballistic. I mean, he blows up. My grandpa was a very, uh, <clears throat> very good man, uh, a God-fearing man. But also, he's a very deliberate man. And men, you need to be deliberate. You need to be deliberate about your actions. You don't need to be passive about your actions. You need to be deliberate and you need to be focused. Um, Grandpa was extremely deliberate. So when he comes in, he goes off the deep end. And he throws all the furniture outside in the yard and forbid her from ever bringing it back inside. Because furniture inside the house makes you lazy. And kind of, that's kind of what he was thinking. Furniture inside the house. You didn't need it. Why'd you need furniture inside the house? All you need is a kitchen table, somewhere to eat, or you needed a bed to sleep in. The rest of the time you should have been working. You need to be working to provide an income for your family. You know, you have to also remember this is during the times of the Great Depression. Uh, 
in that era. So, uh, money was very hard to come by. It was a, it was very, very hard to get money in your hand. So he, uh, if you wasted on something like that that didn't create an income for you, you could potentially be setting yourself up for failure. And that's something you need to think about today. People go out today and they get their jobs and they work their jobs till they die or they work their jobs till they get um, promotions or they work their jobs till they uh, find a different job or whatever. But they never take their income and learn to control it and save it enough so that they can build other streams of income with that. And if you don't do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I know, I know. When minimum wage was set up, we all know this, it was set up so that a man could go out and work a 40-hour week, pay for a house, pay for groceries, support his wife and children at home, and provide everything they needed, and then still retire. But the U.S. dollar has depreciated. I mean, it's collapsed. It's it's like worth, I don't know, some estimates say 90% of what it was in 1913. Other people say it's worth... 99.9% of what it was in 1913. I really don't know, but I know it's not worth as much as what it was five years ago. I know it's not worth as much today as it was last year before we just printed $6 trillion worth of debt out of thin air. And if you think that's not going to increase the rate of the collapse of the dollar, you're kidding yourself. So here's the thing. Well, how do you do it? What, what do you do? You've got to work your job and you've got to build a side hustle. Because the day is coming when you can work 60 hour weeks and your wife's working and you're still not going to be able to cover your mortgage and food. I mean, we don't hardly buy anything much to cook because we do have to eat out a lot. And it's still 160, 200 bucks a week. My kids, they're both in management at fast food restaurants, 17 years old. They've worked themselves up to managers. I'm talking closing managers at 17 years old because they're hardworking and they're dedicated to it. They've worked themselves up to closing managers. So they're working 12-hour days and going to high school, or will be. We'll be going back to high school. High school or homeschooling just depends on how it goes. But anyway... They're gone all the time. My wife works a job and she's got her side business going, uh, which is pretty much a full-time business in itself too. So there's not a lot of home-cooked meals around the house. We eat maybe once, twice a day. And most of the time it's, you know, going through grabbing one burger or grabbing a milkshake or, or just whatever, you know. But our grocery bills, you know, just with a handful of items, anywhere from 160 to 200 bucks a week, and we're not eating home that much. What's it going to be a year from now? Do you think it's not going to be? Do you think it's going to be better or worse? I mean, you better count on it being worse. <laughs> I mean, if you look at your look at your candy bar sizes. You know, they've raised the price up on a candy bar as high as they can take it, so now the bar is just shrinking. And it's the same thing with food that you get at the restaurant. Uh, They've raised the meals to the price that they capped the price. You know, they've hit the ceiling on how high they can raise uh, raise the cost of the food. 
in a lot of in a lot of places. And I'm, I'm not talking about your your good dining, sit down restaurants. You'll go in weekly and see that the 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 price and the menus has changed. They say, okay, this has gone up this much, uh, but the the serving size is becoming smaller in your fast food restaurants. That's how they're taking care of that. Uh, in your more elaborate and your sit down, better eating, better food restaurants. <clears throat> excuse me. You have uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You have people coming in and going through the menus, and and then. When you go and you sit down and you look at your menu, you'll have a, a flag in it that'll say, okay, due to current circumstances or current the economy or whatever, blah, 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 you know, the menu items are not priced correctly. Uh, we're adding a dollar to this, a dollar to that, $2 to this, $1.50, whatever. And he goes down the list of the food products and, and what the price has changed. And um, it's just part of it. Those people have got to make a profit in order to stay in business because not only do they have to pay for the, the restaurant that they're running, they have to pay for their cost of living. So it's just part of it. Prices are going up on everybody. Warren Buffett said, look out for substantial inflation. So they were experiencing substantial inflation. We're going to be experiencing some uh, substantial inflation too. Look at the Caracas stock market. Look at what happened in Venezuela. Uh, that gives you an idea of what we could be facing. Look at what's going on with some of the major corporations. We're plug this thing up. Uh, look what's going on with some of the major corporations right now with uh, the magic potion. Good old Lipton sweet tea. Not sweet tea, but half and half tea. Um, look what's going on with, uh, you know, with, with the magic potion and some of these corporations. If you don't take the magic potion, no job. Look what's going on, has been reported going on. You never know if it's true or not with the news. You just don't. You don't know if it's true or not. But look what's going on in Israel. They're saying you're not allowed to go into grocery stores buy clothing or food or anything else without the magic potion. I mean, come on now. How long is that going to be till it trickles down to us? You know, and I'm not saying whether you should take the magic potion or not. Uh, that's that's a personal, that's a very personal thing, and that's none of my business. There's HIPAA laws about that. There, you know, there's HIPAA laws saying, you know, hey, you can't, you can ask people about these sort of things, but yet they're bypassing all the laws because they want to destroy the Constitution, probably. You know, I mean, that's a that's a big deal. You know, you can't have Agenda 2030. If you don't have, uh, if you have a constitution, you know, constitution, everything in Agenda 2030 about property rights and everything else destroys the constitution. So you can't implement Agenda 2030 without just nullifying the constitution. So that's why you need multiple streams of income, and that's why you need to do these things, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. You never know if you're going to lose your job. You know, I was fired one time as a manager of a grocery store because, you know, it was just differences of opinions, you know. I'd done something. I kept some workers and worked them overtime and during a time when we weren't supposed to have no overtime, but had to get the job done, so you had to work overtime. It's just the way it is. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And uh, <clears throat> I, got, I got terminated for that, for working too many people overtime. And... Uh, you know, is what it is. 
But if I didn't have side hustles, if I didn't have uh, other streams of income coming in during that time, if I hadn't lived kind of a Dave Ramsey lifestyle, would I have had money to survive until I found another job? That's something to think about. You know, and I'm not 100% Dave Ramsey. Uh, I have my credit card because my credit card makes me money every month. Uh, everything I buy goes through my credit card. And I pay my credit card off every month, too. I don't carry a balance whatsoever. But when the statement comes in, I pay it in full, be done with it. And then they send me a nice little check in the mail every so often. And I take that check and I put it right back into either crypto or crypto or uh, uh, stocks. Most of the time it's dividend paying stocks. That's what I, what I look at mostly. But anyway, back to the point. The Multiple Streams of Income by Robert Allen. Highly recommend reading that book. I'll leave a link in the description below. For those of you that's on the live feed, for those of you that's on the podcast, you can go to Sabrius TV. That's Sabrius TV. Or on Facebook at Your Wealth Plan Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. And you can probably get access to, to a link to, to that book. Another thing to look at when you're building streams of income is being able to stack those streams of income. So say you're a say you're a farmer, okay, and you've got all these cows out there. What are you gonna do with all these cows? You you know you wanna sell them at the market. You're gonna but what else income can you do for those cows? Okay, if you're into purebred cattle, you know, Angus or something like that, or any of the pure breeds, you can take your best bulls and you can, you know, you can harvest them for, for breeding and, you know, sell the stuff online. And you can take that and that's a stream of income off those cows that you just wouldn't have from just selling your cattle at the market. You can also specialize and brand your own beef. And that is something we're seeing a lot of farmers supplement their income with here in my area. And I think it's a very good thing. And then when I can, I try to support those that I can. Uh, my, there's a company that's tied in with my with my wife's company. And, uh, we uh, sorry, I had a phone call coming. There's a company tied in with my with the company that my wife works for that we try to get our meat through. But um, so I can't really support a lot of the very local people. But this is a uh, a company that's located in our state, and since it's tied into my wife's job, we try to support them. Uh, just like uh, I work for a milk company, when I go in and I buy milk or ice cream, not always on the ice cream, but most of the time, almost every time on the milk, I try to buy or butter. I try to buy the brand that my company produces. It's just a smart thing to do. It, it, it supports your company, supports yourself. But anyway, back to the what the farmers are doing around here, what all the beef producers are doing. They're taking their own beef and they're having it slaughtered and they're marketing that beef and they're branding themselves, you know, with, with their beef locally. I highly recommend, you know, it's, I highly recommend people doing whatever they can to create streams of income off each income stream. Um, it's what I call stacking. You know, just building rings of income around it. You know, um, you can do the same thing with online businesses. 
say you have an Etsy, say you're selling something online. So you want to be selling it on Amazon. You want to be selling it on Etsy. You want to be selling it on Shopify. You want to be selling it on Facebook. You want to be selling it on your own website or Twitter or whatever you can. You want to be selling it. You want to create multiple stores. The same thing if you're in like the like a, the business like we were in for a while, uh, the Peddler's Mall or Antique Mall business. We not only had our stuff set up inside the Peddler's Malls in multiple locations, all the locations that we could get into, we also sold the same products online, on Etsy, and on eBay. We could not get into Amazon at that time because it's just different stuff than what we were selling. But the thing is, the thing is, you have to look at each income stream that you have and how can you multiply that? How can you grow it? You got to think about that. You got to think about expanding. Like Charles and David Koch put together, maybe mainly Charles Koch, I don't know, but they put together a system called market based management. And the whole synopsis of market based management is kind of this. Growth for growth's sake. Because the more you're growing, the more you're expanding, the more money you're going to make. Can you grow too big? Yeah. Can you not grow enough? Yeah. But anything that you, any business you start, you got to know if you can scale it or not. And why is scaling important? You know, you got to be able to scale it. You got to be able to, and then stack these income streams on top of one another. But if why is scaling and having as many income streams as important as what it is is because of hyperinflation. You know, this dollar is collapsing. Unfortunately, I don't know how long it'll take. Uh, if you look at compare us to Venezuela, uh, it looks like we got 33 years. If we follow the exact same path as what Venezuela took to collapse, we got about 33 years for a total dollar collapse. But they're saying 2025, they're saying 2030. So I really don't know. I I do not know. I'm not an expert on it. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it. But what I do know is I I read history and seen these little women pushing buckets of cash just to buy a loaf of bread. Not buckets of cash, I'm sorry, wheelbarrows full of cash to buy a loaf of bread. And that's what we could be experiencing. So that is why it is very important to build streams of income, to protect yourself, to protect your family. People sitting back and saying, oh, I'm just going to wait on the government to provide my retirement because I've paid in Social Security all these years. Listen, the dollar's done. Unless you're retiring right now, you may not ever get no Social Security. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it, you've got to have some personal responsibility. It may be too late for you, you may think. Oh, you know, but there's something you could do. You can get out and wash cars, you know. So how is that scalable? So you have a car wash business. How is that scalable? Well, you hire more people, wash more cars, help you. You uh, get you a big, huge tank, put it on a trailer, and get you a pressure washer, and go around to businesses. And ask to spray off people's cars in their in their parking lots. Uh you know, that's kind of scalable. I mean, that's about as much as you can scale a job like that. When you look at stocks or investments, how can you scale that? Well, the way that I like to do it is drip, you know, dividend reinvestment. Uh, I try to buy as much of a stock as I can. I want it to 
when that dividend rolls over, I want it to buy at least one more share of stock. I mean, that's just the starting point. I want, my goal is to have hundreds or thousands of stocks every time that dividend comes in, because that is what really makes compounding interest work. So how, what else can you do? How else do you stack your stocks? Um, say it's something you're holding long term. Well, say if it's a dividend stock and you want to maximize your income on it, you use options. That way if the stock goes up or down, you sell or, or make a profit off those uh, off those shares, for those, off those options. Warren Buffett calls it insurance for stocks. In a way it is. I do not understand options all that much. I do not use options because I use more of a uh, rule one investing philosophy uh, in my holding company. I use a rule one investing philosophy. If you don't know who that is, that's Phil Town. I'll try to leave a link below to uh, in the description below for his book. It's a very good book. You should read it. Rule one investing. Uh, he says anytime you see a change in the price of 5 to 10%, it tells you which way the market's going to move. That's not entirely 100% correct, but because I've seen stocks drop 25% then jump back up 30 40% in a short amount of time, and it does happen. It happens. But that's something that you can think about. Um, setting a stop loss, and this is what I do. I take a certain percentage. That's personal. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. And it's personal for each individual, what you can afford to lose and what you can't afford to lose. But once a stock gets over a certain price, what a percentage of gains for me, I set a stop loss on it. I let that stop loss percentage run and run and run and run. Then when the market, if the market was to try to collapse, those stop losses are triggered. It pulls my money aside out of that market. Pulls my money aside safely. And while the price continues to drop, and then once the price, you know, bottoms out, I like five to twenty percent uh, from the bottom before I buy back in. Usually, unless it's something I'm wanting to hold forever and ever, I might after it drops a lot, I might start uh, buying in gradually, slowly on the way down. But it, normally I don't do that. Normally I wait for it to bounce and bounce and bounce, and then take back off. <clears throat> But that's a personal thing. I've worked too hard to lose too much money. I've lost too much money in the past to keep making the same mistakes. So that's why I have a more conservative approach to some things. <clears throat> same thing with real estate. You know, you just you don't go out and just get uh, one apartment or one house. You start stacking your investments. You stack them as hard and as fast as you can. And you scale that. You scale that to a size that'll offer you some kind of protection in case you lose your job or to get you out of your job. How's that work in a situation though like we're in when there's no evictions and people don't have to pay their mortgage? Yeah, well, you know, they're trying to kill real estate. They really are. They're trying to kill the real estate people. You know, and it's hard to find it's hard to find good renters, loyal renters. You know, yeah, it is. It is. It's hard. People just have a different mindset. So once you start building these income streams and you get them up and going, then it's time to try to spin more plates. You know, you keep those plates to spin. Once you get one plate up and get it to spinning good, 
they don't take as much energy to keep that plate a spinning. Whoa. It don't take as long to keep that plate of spinning. So then you can take that plate <clears throat> that you got spinning and you can start spinning another plate, another kind of passive income. So you have your stocks going over here, you have your real estate going over here, you have your online businesses going over here. And you have you another another one, you know, something that's more of a service type industry that's scalable. And you just keep building and building and building. Passive income, there's no true passive income. You know, I'd probably get a million views if I sit here and said, oh, do passive income, never work again. But that's not true. There's always something to do with your, so if you write a book, you've always got to be promoting that book. If you don't promote that book, it's not going to sell. The same thing with, uh, with anything. You've got to promote it all the time. So that's work. You've got to take the time to do it. The same thing with the stock market. You've got to watch those stocks. Uh, Warren Buffett says, I never look at the stocks. I never blah, 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 blah. Well, whatever. You know, you probably don't personally because you got a team of people doing it for you. But for guys like me running my own holding company, guys like you, uh, retail investors at home, you've got to look at your stocks. You've got to pay attention to what's going on. You've got to read those uh, 4Ks when they come out. You've got to, you know, you got to read that stuff. You've got to read those earnings reports. You've got to read that stuff. You've got to take the time to. You got to know what. You got to know your business. So, investing in the stock market is not 100% passive. Dividend income. You know, yeah, that's probably the most passive thing there is out there. Uh, more so than even real estate, but it's not something that uh, is truly 100% passive because you have to work on it. You have to. It takes some time. That's why I call it spinning plates. You get enough plates up of spinning that you can kind of keep this and going. Then you run over here and get this and going. Then you run over here and get this and done. Then you go over here and get this and done. <clears throat> and you just keep doing it. And I know a lot of people talk about this. Work once, get paid for life with a video. You know, like on YouTube or like on other things. You know, content creators. You work one time, you get paid for life. But if you don't put the work and you don't offer any value, you're not going to get paid for life. You don't get paid at all. It's just the way it is. Well, as we come to conclusion, this podcast, I want to thank you all for listening. Let's go over the, let's go over it one more time though. Let's just go over the gist of it one more time in the conclusion here. You've got to have your own streams of income. You can't just count on your job. You may have the best job in the world making 200 grand a year. But if you love yourself and you love your family, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a Christian. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you'll never get saved, for one. Loving yourself keeps you out of the pits of hell. So you got to love yourself. Number two, you got to love if you love yourself, you're going to want to provide for yourself. So you've got to have those multiple streams coming in. Is it easy? No. If I sit here and I said, hey, this is a great way to make, you know, millions of dollars and never work again. This video will get a million views, like I said, but it's not the truth. The truth is you have to put in the work. At my other job, I'm working 
anywhere from 60 to 70 hours a week. I never see my family. Not like I'd like to, but I'm there. Once this surgery's over with, I'll be back there. And it's part of life. But you have to do it. You have to put in the work. It's part of it. But don't waste that time away from your family. Save that money. Don't buy a bunch of crap you don't need. Put it towards building incomes, building freedom for yourself, financial security. And then stack it. Stack it. Scale it as far as you can. Scale every income stream as far as you can. And then take it and stack another one with it. And keep those plates spinning. And build yourself a life. Build yourself a great life. Build yourself a legacy. Build yourself a legacy. I got a book laying right here on the desk. I finished a long time ago. I've been looking back through it. I don't know if you can see it or not on the live stream. It's, let me see if that's right. It's Dave Ramsey, Legacy Journal. If you can see it or not. The Legacy Journal. Dave Ramsey, Legacy Journal. Leave a legacy to your kids. Leave a legacy to your family. That's it for today's podcast. Remember, <clears throat> we'll be getting back in touch with you and leave us more information about Sabrius TV once it comes online on Roku. Um, please like, please share this video and this podcast. Remember, this podcast is broadcast on Google Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram and on Facebook at Your Wealth Plan Podcast. Contact us there for if you want. To, if you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to be on the podcast, we're needing guests. Uh, we need people that are investors. We need business owners. Uh, we need managers and companies. Um, you know, I don't care if you're a mechanic, if you own a business, contact us. We'll, we'll get you on. Uh, we'll talk to you. There's things that people can learn from you. Uh, real estate, crypto guys, uh, we need you guys on here. We, we need, you know, we'll talk to you. Contact us at Your Wealth Plan Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, also, this is listener supported. We are listener supported. Thank you for helping support us. We appreciate it greatly. And once again, I'd like to remind everybody that this podcast is not for educate is not for this podcast is for education and entertainment personally. It is not intended for financial advice. We recommend consulting a certified financial advisor when building your own wealth plan. Thank you, everybody, for listening. God bless, and have a great day.